How to Transform Your Passion into a Successful Startup. Welcome to Lead, an inspiring podcast that focuses on the creative spirit inside us all. Jocelyn Bellows interviews accomplished entrepreneurs about overcoming obstacles and achieving greatness. Join us today and lead into a fulfilling and successful life. And welcome to another episode of Leap. Uh, joining me today is the founder of Grit and Hustle, Ryan Helms. And as I introduce Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and ask Ryan, can you share with the audience a little bit about what Grit and Hustle is and how you got started? Yes, yeah, so we we can dive into a lot of the details here in the talk, but at a high level, um, that Grit and Hustle is the brand that in, encompasses kind of what I set out to do after a uh, adventure or a solo adventure to Africa, where I kind of had this epiphany that I wanted to do some other things with my life and and uh, really create some freedom. I didn't know how I would define freedom at that moment, but I knew I wanted to create some freedom. However, I decided to define it uh, in my life and. So that uh, Grit and Hustle became, like I said, the brand behind uh, this this pursuit of freedom uh, in my life through physical products, a blog, courses, um, and just building an audience. Great. So, you know, you, you kind of just talked a little bit about mentioning freedom several times over, and you have several pieces that play a part in that. Now that you've been doing this for a little bit, have you defined for yourself what freedom means? That's an awesome question. And to be honest, I still don't know if I have that answer yet. I say that because I think it's it's one of those things where it's like the field goal moves every time you get closer to it, right? And so it's kind of like you, you think you're there and then uh, it's it's not quite what you thought it was going to be when you get there. So you go more. Uh, but the, the most uh, direct... Uh, explanation for what it means for me right now is it's more on the financial side. So um, when I took that trip to Africa, like I was starting to get kind of burnt out with my job. I'd been in that role, uh, that position that I had about two and a half years at that point. And I'd been working probably easily the average day was probably 12 hours and 14 to 16 hour days were uh, not uncommon. And on a Friday evening, I was sitting on the couch, which is about eight feet behind me now. And somehow I cannot remember how, but I, I came across a cheap plane ticket to uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And I bought that 750 bucks, went to, went on a safari, went to Zanzibar, just had a, a blast. And while I was there, I met all these people doing all these crazy things that had freedom in a lot of different ways uh, that had them out there traveling long term. And I was just like, whoa, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I'm here for two weeks, just kind of like taking part in it and meeting these people. And it was, it was amazing. So when I left, I, I knew I had to figure out how, but like the first like, oh crap moment I had was when I realized that uh, I had a lot of debt. And that didn't play well with creating freedom. So I said, all right, you know, I have a, a decent job with a decent salary. So I easily do the math and see how long it'll take to pay off some, like pay off X amount of debt. And I was like, Ugh, like this is a little bit longer than I kind of want to, to do this. So uh, the next logical step for me was, all right, well, 
there's really only one way to speed up that process of paying off that debt. And that was create another income source. Uh, so that's what I started to do pretty shortly after I got back from Africa. I started like throwing stuff against the wall to see what would stick. And uh, eventually I launched uh, the Side Hustle Journal, which was a physical product that I launched on Kickstarter. And I raised like 14000 uh, with that project. And that was kind of like the catalyst for what I'm doing now. And eventually what I'll be getting into um, was was launching that, that project. And uh, fast forward since then, in 18 months, I, I'm at like, I want to say hundred thousand so bad, but I'm at like ninety nine thousand four hundred dollars that I that I paid off in uh, eighteen months. So yeah, almost a hundred k that I paid off. That's incredible, and it's such yeah. a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So the first thirty k of it was uh, student loans. Thirty uh, k of it was a stupid sports car that I didn't need. Um, well, I guess it's about six thousand of that was credit cards and since then i've just been uh, going after the mortgage so i should have my mortgage paid off by uh this time next year so about 12 months from now uh, my mortgage will be paid off and that's the last thing that i'm kind of going after so so many of those components i mean so many people out there have those regular expenses i mean mortgages are normal student loans are common are those some of the contributing factors that you think you may now define as part of your freedom to have that release. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to me, it's like when I say it, I can't really define it yet because, like, part of me thought I would be like, "Oh, I'm going to quit my day job like the second I get whatever I'm going after," and like I, I don't necessarily think that way. Uh, I, I just know that I want to have again. I'll say it: the freedom to. Uh, one day if I go into work and I say, I don't want to do this anymore, I want to be able to like walk out that day if I want to, which they, they treat me pretty well. So I probably wouldn't do that. But if I wanted to walk out that day and it, it not matter, it, it have no impact on me financially because uh, my car is paid for. Uh, I have no bills. I have no mortgage. I'm good to go. As long as I can scrape up money to buy rice and beans, I would survive. And I would live in a nice condo in downtown Atlanta. Um, so that's that to me, that's what freedom is, is not having that like, you know, burden weighing over you. Like I have to go to work. Literally, I have to because I have all these bills to pay. And without work, I cannot pay those bills. Like to me, it like scares the crap out of me knowing that I'm dependent on a company that I really have no control over. I have no control over how well that company does as, you know, and if they don't do good, what do they do? They lay people off and you have zero control. So at a big picture, you have no control over your destiny, right? You're you're hoping that this company you work for does well. They don't have to do any layoffs. They keep growing uh, or they don't do any restructuring. Like the company I just worked uh, or that I worked for, they just restructured and laid off like 600 people in Paris just because they were like moving locations and moving people around. Like you can't control stuff like that. And if that ever happened, I'd just be like, cool, on to the next thing. So and to me, that's that's part of how I define freedom. That's, yeah. And and I think that's such a relatable issue as well. I mean, I think so many of us, I think we, we are born into this 
society of we go, we grow up, we go to school, we go to college, we go get a job for somebody else. And corporate America and any company, we're all liable to layoffs. It happens. Yep. So it yeah, sounds and, like you're really. And I'm not one of those people that is like, I'm not completely like anti corporate America and you have to be an entrepreneur. I think it's awesome. Like, I want to be one one day when I grow up, but um, I'm not like completely like anti corporate America. I just think that it's scary that a lot of people are, are living their life. And I was for, for years uh, completely dependent on uh, that as how they're going to get through life. It's, it's just a scary thought, especially with uh, how much volatility is, is in the world, whether it's real or just the media makes it seem like there's that much, but um, it's, it's just a, a scary thought, but you know, I'm not anti corporate. I just think that, we could be smarter and not have to uh, be scared if something happens at work. It sounds to me that you're taking control of your life. Yeah. And you're trying to go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm trying to. Yeah, no, I think you're doing, I think that's exactly what that's the interpretation I'm taking. So diving in a little bit, there's a couple of pieces I want to touch upon. Probably start with the Kickstarter campaign. What was it? And why did you go down that path? Yeah, so the Kickstarter was, uh, it was for, like I said, the product was called the Side Hustle Journal. And I was kicking around some ideas, like I said in the beginning, like when I got back from this Africa trip. And one of the things that stood out to me is with my job, I was traveling in Europe. I was actually traveling all around Europe, had a lot of responsibilities uh, at my home base here in the U.S., and people would, and, and people knew all the things that I was doing on the side for the past few months, all this throwing stuff against the wall. I was like creating all kinds of websites, like putting out all kinds of content. And people were asking me like, how do you do it? And like, until that time, I had not really thought about like how I did it. Um, but once I got asked that questions a few times, I, I started to like internalize those questions and think about like, okay, well, how am I doing this? And really, really long story short, I put pen to paper and looked at the process that I had, wrote it down, iterated it on it a hundred times. I mean, it started off as literally pen on paper, then it was uh, Apple Pencil to iPad, then it was, for some reason, I did it in a Google Sheet first, bad idea. Uh, then I did it in Canva and then I, I paid somebody to help me turn that Canva design into a nicer design. Then I got it manufactured overseas. Um, and then I launched it on uh, Kickstarter. So, well, I got it manufactured after the Kickstarter was successful, but yeah. So I went into this like zero audience at all, like kind of backwards. So a lot of people start with uh, like blogging and just like the free version of content creation. Uh, and I kind of like flipped it backwards. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put a product out there and that'll be like my entry into this uh, space. This So my niche is like the side hustle niche. Um, so I, I launched the product and it was super difficult, like way harder than I was anticipating because I didn't, ha I didn't have an email list. I had an email list of zero and I had no friends that were entrepreneurs. I had no friends in the space. I had nothing. Um, the only thing I had was a lot of will and a lot, maybe some stupidity. So that worked out in my favor. So I sent, uh, God, 
well over 500 cold emails to anybody in somewhat related to the niches that I was going after. And about probably 1% of those replied, but it, uh, it ended up being enough, just the organic traffic that Kickstarter got, uh, plus a couple of the uh, relationships I made just from those cold emails. I mean, one cold email, the guy ended up living in Atlanta and we connected, we had lunch, we hit it off. I didn't really know Twitter was still a thing, but he had 40,000 Twitter followers and they apparently like him because he sent out one tweet and it drove like $2,500 in sales to my Kickstarter. And I didn't even think our audiences were that really aligned, but yeah, so I just sent a lot of emails and I just hustled my ass off and I raised 14,000. Not crazy, but it was enough to like bring this product into the world. And it was, it was a cool start. I'd never done anything like that in my life. Like the word like entrepreneur, like content creator had never like six months before that was, wasn't even in my vocabulary. So this was just like me, like literally throwing stuff against the wall and hoping something sticks. (laughs) Reflecting on that time, did you have moments that you had doubt and If so, what did you do to kind of keep moving forward? Yeah. So when you send 500 emails and 1% of people reply back to you, you you get some doubt. There's no way around it. I mean, that's, it's not like I had an email list where I was just like going down. No, I had to find these 500 people. Like they, they weren't given to me. Like I didn't even know like page 60 of Google existed, but it does. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I was like that deep into it. I was searching everything possible, trying to find anybody that I possibly could. And when you get not very many replies, it can be, uh, it can be tough. It can be disheartening to, uh, to move forward. But, you know, to me, I looked at it as a, like a, a numbers game. I knew that even if I got 1%, I only had to get one person that had a really good audience. And I just kept that in mind. I was like, I, all I really need is one. It's, I, it was kind of like the lottery, right? So I was like, I just like, I need that one winning ticket, which is a person with a pretty nice audience. And during that process, I, I just kept thinking about that. Like one of these people is going to like resonate with my message with this product and they're going to have an audience. And I ended up finding, uh, I found two big people. So the one that drove like 2,500 bucks in my campaign, another one was a website called the chive, which is like, it's a very like male centric website. Um, but they picked it up and that drove like another 2000. And then I had another one that actually happened after it ended, but, uh, it was a website called budgets are sexy. It's a big personal finance blog. Um, and he, he posted about it and that ended up giving me probably another 2000 in sales after the Kickstarter was over. Um, yeah, but it was, it was really just trying to think about it and like, Hey, I'm sending a lot of emails, but let's just play the odds and hope that somebody here is going to have an audience. Cause I didn't have any other options, right? If you, if you're starting out, and you're trying to grow an audience here, whether it be like starting a blog, starting a podcast, launching a product, launching a course. If you don't have an audience, there's only so many places you can start. You can either A, do what I did and hustle your ass off, or you can buy traffic, right? You can run Facebook ads. You can do that stuff. So free or pay money. 
I didn't want to pay money. So I just went with the many hours on Google looking for people. So, <laughs> and it seemed to have worked out. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know, like from an hourly perspective, how much I would have been getting paid, but uh, it, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for diving into that story a little bit. Uh, I was a, a little familiar with, with that particular component. And what I, I was really hopeful that we could dive into that a little because I think it's so easy for us on the outside to look at entrepreneurs and say, look at, look at all their success and have no understanding of the hours and the pieces that you really have to work through to get to that point. You know, the failures, the challenges, the willpower to say this is going to happen. Yep. You know? So successful Kickstarter campaign, raised $14,000. You've now got some followers. Fast forward. So now what's happening with that side hustle journal, which by the way, I am an owner of and I'm using it and I love it. Nice. So uh, one of the epiphanies that I had after the Kickstarter was kind of what I was just describing here was I had no audience, right? I didn't. I didn't have anybody I could lean on that could help me in that process. And AKA, I didn't have a network. And after that, I said, all right, I need to figure out how to get a network, right? So I started going to like meetups and things like that in Atlanta. And thankfully, we have a lot of things like that in Atlanta. But I was like, I want to like get in front of like my ideal person. Like, how can I talk to like my customers? How can I talk to the people I want to be friends with? And maybe people I could like partner with on different things. So the next logical step for me was, what's the easiest way to get in front of those people? A podcast. So started a podcast. Uh, So the Kickstarter ended in December of last year. So about 10 or 11 months ago. And then in uh, March, I had came across a guy here in Atlanta, Andrew Deitch. He had a podcast and I was like, I didn't know him, but somebody I knew knew him. I can't remember now. And I just shot him a message and was like, Hey man, like let's grab coffee. I I just want to pick your brain. Just like 10 minutes. Like, tell me, like, tell me your wisdom. Like, and really I just wanted to know like what mic to buy and how to record my episode and how to edit it. The quick version. Um, so I met with him and literally I met with him like 10 minutes. He gave me what I needed to know. I bought everything. Uh, two weeks later I was recording podcast. I recorded set. So this was in all this happened in March. Like I met him, I bought the stuff. I recorded seven episodes and I launched on March 28th with uh, the first week. I released one episode every day of the week. So seven in a row. And then ever since then, I've been releasing two episodes uh, every week. And I think today was episode 67 that came out. And yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. I was like, how can I meet cool people? And I found a cool way to meet cool people. And I've really been enjoying it. I've uh, developed some uh, good relationships, people that I talk with uh, consistently, people that I've traveled places and met up with them because they live there. Uh, it's been it's been great. And I've developed an awesome audience. It's growing every month. I think uh, this month will probably cross the 20,000 download mark for a month. Um, so I started off 
in April, I had like, like 400 downloads. So this month I'll have like 20,000 downloads. So, and we're all, we'll be coming up on a hundred thousand total downloads uh, here soon. So it, it's been an interesting experience. What do you think that's contributing to your volume increase? Um, so a couple of things, consistency always putting out two episodes they come out on the same days monday and wednesday at 5 46 every monday and wednesday a.m they come out so consistency people knowing uh when to expect it people knowing what they can expect uh being very um being very strong and taking a stance on who who am i interviewing who is my ideal guest so i have two uh two criteria for guests to be able to podcast you're either a still working a nine-to-five job and have made at least two thousand dollars with this side hustle or b within the past three years you've taken uh your side hustle full-time so those criteria came kind of afterwards so the or the qualifiers so the two thousand dollar thing because i had a guy who basically just want a coaching session. So I was like, all right, I need people that are at least making money. So let me just say $2,000. So, and then the three years thing, because I, I realized I didn't want like people that have always been entrepreneurs on my podcast. Like I wanted people that, you know, within a relatively short amount of time had made that transition into uh, entrepreneurship from their side hustle. So I put those qualifiers on there. So when people listen to my podcast, they know exactly what type of guests they're going to listen to. Like there's no like hidden strings. You're not about to listen to somebody that uh, 15 years ago launched a million dollar company. And since then they've been a serial entrepreneur. You're not gonna, you're not going to get that on my podcast. You're going to get these these one of these two criteria of guests you will hear every Monday and Wednesday at 546 a.m. It will be there. Um, so those those expectations are, are are there and people seem to like that. And it, it makes it difficult because I don't really get any big name guests on the show. So if I did, if I went outside of the, these criteria, I could get some really big name people and my downloads could be huge. But I want to stick with this because this is what I, this was the mission I set on and I'm, I'm not going to deviate from, from my criteria. The other things that have factored into that are, um, let's see here. What's a big one that's kind of factored in. Oh, uh, podcast SEO. So it's not something that's talked about a lot, but, uh, podcast SEO is, is huge. And I actually saw a four X increase in downloads within it was either three or four days. It's kind of irrelevant because it, it was a 4X <laughs> increase in downloads just by uh, a small tweak that I realized and saw the, uh, uh, the results of that tweak within three or four days later. Uh, and I was riding home, listening to a podcast, and there's a podcast called Choose FI. It's a financial independence podcast. And the host of that podcast was getting interviewed on another podcast. Very confusing, I know. But anyway, he was talking about how they made some tweaks to their podcast SEO and how it worked out for them. And one of the things that they did was they updated, they put some keywords in the author field of their podcast. So this is uh, where it says like Ryan Helms. And uh, now mine says like creator of the Side Hustle Journal, financial independence enthusiast. 
and solopreneur. So like that's what my author field says now before it just said Ryan Helms. And the, the title of the show is like Hustle to Freedom. And then it's like everyday people, extraordinary side hustle. So getting that side hustle keyword there. Um, so I did that and I started ranking like crazy. Uh, if anyone is listening and they have a podcast or starting a podcast, be careful with that because you don't want to do like keyword stuffing. Right? Some people would say what I'm doing is keyword stuffing. I don't think so. Um, but you don't want to put like 50 keywords in there uh, because you have a very high likelihood of getting dinged by probably Apple, their largest uh, platform for podcasting. So be careful with that. Keep them like super relevant. Uh, um Keywords, I wouldn't really use like people's names. Like you'll go out there and you'll see like a lot of podcasts that like reference other people's names in the author field just because they're trying to get some of that uh, SEO juice. I wouldn't do that, uh, but put applicable keywords in there. And that's what I did and saw 4X increase in downloads. Um, so yeah, that was one thing. And then just trying to get like really cool guests. I guess that was the other, uh, other interesting thing. Um, oh, and then one more. It's like, you have like subject lines for emails, right? And when you have an email list and you're emailing out, so like email marketing, you always want to have like compelling subject lines so that people actually want to open their emails. Same thing with podcasts. You want to have like compelling subject lines, but there's also a second factor uh, with podcasts. You also want a keyword in uh, the podcast title as well. So you want it to be compelling and have a keyword in I try to have like a focus keyword. So mine is side hustle. So whenever I can, I include that in the podcast uh, episode title as well. So I'll try to make a compelling headline with the word side hustle in it when it fits. If it, if it doesn't fit, I'm not going to force it. But if I can fit it in there, I'm going to do it. So I think all those things like bundled up, factored together, put it out there. Uh, you start to rank well. And if you search side hustle, if you search financial independence, if you search solopreneur, um, all those, I'm in, I'm easily within the top 15. Um, some of them am in the, the top 10. So it, it works. Thank you for all those incredible tips. Cause you know, I'm taking notes myself <laughs> as a new, as a newbie, my, as a newbie to this medium. So a couple of things that I, I'm picking up on is early on, you set forth your mission for your overall goal and you've stayed stuck to it. One of the questions that really threw at me is with the consistency of the types of guests that you're bringing in and not jumping up to those, you know, serial entrepreneurs and really staying with the, those mom and pops or the startups, are you seeing or what kind of consistencies are you seeing among your guests as far as personality or ability to move through? So if I repeat the question back to you, like what am I seeing in my guests that like makes someone a successful side hustler? Is yeah. that kind of like what, what you were getting at? Yeah. Um, I think, and I'm realizing this like more and more, um, I really think it just comes down to one thing. I think if you're, if you're going to like do a side hustle and you're doing it for like more than four months, like you're going to, you can be successful if you do one thing. Uh, a lot of people will like start a side hustle and they'll quit. And those are just people that are going to quit. So let them quit. 
Um, but if you're going to be like consistent with it and you can be like, if you have like that drive and determination to like be consistent, the only thing you need to do is focus. So you need to find one thing that you want to do and focus on it. Don't do anything else. Like, like get no shiny object syndrome. Like, and I'm learning this hard way. So I'm, I'm like, this is like, past one month revelation for me and once i had the revelation like i see it in in every really successful guest that i have um episode 23 guy's name's greg jeffries like all he does is uh seo or affiliate marketing focused on seo makes like 50k a month um one of his students just quit his day job he was he was actually working when he was on my podcast now he just quit his day job um the guy scotch cheaps flights i don't know if you've ever heard that before um zero to one and a half million subscribers in three years because he just focused on growing this email list around sending people cheap flight deals like every like uber successful one that i've talked to it's all been around focus so that that's hands down the number one separator between somebody who who makes it and somebody that doesn't it's that consistency in in focusing on one thing and how do you do that yourself and apply that to your world yeah so i'm I'm struggling Like, like literally this is like a one month ago revelation i i like to do a lot of different things like the podcast is awesome i really enjoy it like i've still got uh, and, it, and it ties back with it, but it, it's the, the blog is another thing. The course, I created a course on podcasting. Uh, that's another thing. They all kind of tie together, but they're very independent projects. They, they take a lot of time on their own. Um, and then I'm, I'm working with a, another guy where it's, re- it's looking like this is still very early, but it's looking like we're going to a uh, partner on uh, like a, a podcast agency. So we're going to be uh, performing services for, for people. And this is, uh, this is where my focus is going to go. So I'm still going to do the podcast. Once I reach a hundred episodes, um, I will scale it back down to one episode a week. And uh, just so I'm not spending, I, I outsource a lot of uh, pretty much everything else besides the actual interviews now. Um, but I just don't want my time to be taken up with the interviews. So I'm going to be focusing on building a, an agency. So that's where uh, my focus is coming after a revelation I had at a mastermind uh, two weeks, two weekends ago. Uh, I had was in a room with 30 people and uh, they were all six and seven figure uh, entrepreneurs, all in the agency space. And I was there to figure out if that's what I wanted to do. And I left saying, yes, this is what I want to do. Um, and just just by networking with people, ran across the guy that is ahead of me, but needs somebody with my skills. So we're uh, we're in uh, pretty deep talks about working together. So this is whether it's with him or not, this is the the path I'm going. How do you know? When you're making a decision that's right for you, yeah, I don't know. I think you just have to listen to yourself. Um, I, I think some people struggle with it more than I do. Um, I would think, just based on what I hear people talk about and stuff like that, like I just kind of look at it very objectively and say, like, okay, is it like what's my goal? My goal, just like I said in the beginning, is it's still to reach that financial freedom right now. So I've got uh, I've got 12 months 
to pay off another $80,000 on the mortgage. Um, so right now I'm focusing on whatever gets me there the fastest. And one of the, one of the revelations I, I had in that mastermind with these people that were just crushing it. I mean, absolutely. There were people that have sold businesses for millions of dollars and it was kind of humbling because they were like, most of them were like 23 years old. And I was just like, Oh God. But, um, like, I, I just know that I want to, I want to do what gets me closer to, to that goal. And I'd been doing things to like stroke my ego. Like, I think, um, I was doing things because it looked good on the internet and it looked good. And I'm not even that kind of person, but I started like realize it like that I was doing things that weren't aligned with my goal. Like if my goal is, has financial bounds with it, like I should be doing stuff that drives me to that goal. Not like, not just writing blog posts that aren't generating any revenue right now. Like I'm going to focus on something that generates revenue because my goal um, is associated with with that so um for me it's it's quite easy to to do that but um now but i could see how it could be difficult it is you get blinders like you don't like you get so caught up in what you're doing like it's cool it's fun you start to get some followers like et cetera, et cetera. but um like there's there's a lot of things out there that are just like vanity metrics like oh how many downloads are you getting like oh how many subscribers do you have how many followers do you have like all that's like vanity stuff and like I'd never really thought about that until I had a guy that was making $90,000 a month and he's 24 years old, like, like talking about it. He's like, I don't care how many Instagram followers I have. I don't care how many downloads I have. I'm 23 years old and making $90,000 a month and I'm having a blast. And I was like, shit, like I'm, I've been worried about like how many downloads I'm getting. <laughs> so, but that's not for everybody. Not everybody's like wants to make a lot of money. I do. So it's not everybody. And that's really important, I think, to understand at the get-go uh, of really defining your why. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, so I want to kind of, I do want to tip back a little bit to the to your journal because that's really what got me interested in getting getting to meet you and getting to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, I actually have started a couple of businesses myself several years ago, and so I've been down the road a little bit of an entrepreneur, um, though in a partnership fashion. So this is the first time I'm about to launch out on my own. And it's incredibly exciting and very overwhelming. So asking for myself, and I'll I'll pretend I'm asking for my audience, but I'm asking for myself as well. Where do you start? How do you start? With like going at it on your own? Yeah. Like you were saying, I think you really have to have your why. And even though I got kind of off my path I, I never like my why was always the same it was the financial freedom like from like get go before the side hustle journal ever existed like that was why that's why i was doing it that's why i've been doing it i i just realized i were i wasn't doing things that were necessarily the most efficient to reach that goal because it was monetary and I was worried about some vanity metrics sometimes. Um, so the first thing to do is start with your why, like figure out like why you're, you're doing this because it's not going to be easy at all. So if you don't have a strong why for what you're doing it, like once you start hitting some of these roadblocks, some of these obstacles, when things start to get difficult, things aren't going your way. You didn't get as many subscribers or any subscribers or a lot of sales or 
or any sales, like you, you would just quit. Like you would be one of those people that quit in the first four months. Um, but if you have a strong why, like if you're doing it, maybe you do want to quit your job or maybe you want um, your why you just had a kid. You want your wife to be able to like stay at home with the baby or something, or you want to pay off your mortgage like me. Um, I think you just need to define that up front. And I think everything else will be so much easier uh, in the long run. But, but if you're just like kind of doing it to do it, like it's, it'll be a tough road. Like, so for number one, like if you're just starting out, I think that's uh, first thing you should do, whether you buy the journal or write it on a sticky note, they just just do do that first um, and then set some some big milestones around that. And I think that's that's a great foundation for for starting out um, and then seek uh, seek out people that are two steps ahead of you. Right. You, you don't have to find somebody that's worth $10 million and have, has started and sold 10 businesses. Um, just find somebody that's two steps ahead of you that you can learn from doing what you want to do so don't don't like if you want to open like a, a salon don't like go talk to somebody that has like a dog walking business like go find somebody else that has a salon and like learn from them like network with them uh, pick their brain like find somebody that's two steps ahead of you doing what you're doing and figure out how they're doing it so that those are like two big things that's great advice i picked up a quote it's interesting. So as I was taking notes, getting ready for our conversation this evening, a couple of weeks ago, we had, I'm, I'm out in Colorado and we have this great thing called Denver Startup Week at the end of September. And it's a week long um, event geared towards entrepreneurs at any stage and picked up this quote somewhere along the way. So I'm going to read it because I think it's sort of relevant. This is Vincent Van Gogh. Great things are done by a series of small things brought together. And I feel like yep. that's something that is very relevant to this conversation, that it's steps. Yeah, absolutely. Create. Yeah. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to Kickstarter. So I'm pulling up uh, the Kickstarter website right now because I cannot remember it right now, but there's a similar quote that I used on my Kickstarter page um that is fully in alignment with what you just said so okay so here it is um uh, it was mark twain he said uh the secret of getting ahead is getting started the secret to getting started is breaking down your complex overwhelming task into small manageable tasks and then starting with the first one so that was something i that was like the very first thing that i put on the kickstarter and it's very much in line with what you just said and i think it's uh both are very true. And very relevant. I think when you look at the big picture, and you and I have exchanged what my big picture is, so that's big. To look at it from the big piece, that looks insurmountable. When you start to break it down and say step-by-step, day-by-day, these little things start to add up and you get there. Yep. You get there yep. with work. It doesn't just happen, but you get there. Yep. So I know we're sort of, we're getting close to running low on time, but I want to ask a couple more quick questions. Sure. One, I wanted to ask, who are your influencers? Uh, yeah. Wow. Good question. Let me think about this one. So who, who influences me? Um, 
So there's a couple people. Uh, if you're in the marketing space, you you may have heard of like Russell Brunson. Um, I follow him, look up to him, love his content. He was the, or he's the co-founder of ClickFunnels, a uh, software company, zero to $150 million in annual revenue in three years. Um, just amazing, amazing marketing. They use the software, so I look up to look up to them. Um, and then, man, that's tough. I really don't like. I don't. I'm not a big like. I, I'm not a big religious person. I don't idolize people a lot. Um, but if I and I know that isn't what you ask, but like that's kind of where my mind goes. But like, I'm sure there's like so many people that influence me like passively that I don't really know about. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm thinking about like what's on my bookshelf right now. Uh, and there's like, there's some books by Russell Bronson. There's like uh, rich dad, poor dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Tim, all Tim Ferriss's books. Like he's a big one that I, I really follow and, and, and look up to. So I guess I could say him. Um, yeah, but not a ton. There's just a couple people like that that I think are super interesting and I really like what they do from a podcasting perspective. I really look up to Andrew Warner. He's the uh he's the host of Mixergy and his interview style is amazing just cuz he's like he's just so blunt and puts it out there and he he like creates these like moments where you're like listening to it in your car and you like cringe because of like some of the questions he asks are like so personal or so like straightforward but he's so good um so from a podcasting perspective i, I really look up to him because i want to like ask more of those questions because they they make for interesting conversations thank you for sharing that and i i agree i've listened to some of these guys too and you do cringe and you say oh how do you ask that and People answer. Yep. Yeah. You get yeah. it out. And I think it, it's like uh, when you're like, when you're podcasting, like you want the other person to feel like comfortable and like at home and a good experience. But like sometimes you need to ask, like, I don't know, like what what's on your mind? Like last night I, I was interviewing somebody and she briefly mentioned about like, uh, she got like really sick and um, she was in, in and out of the hospital and then she talked about how she left her job and I mean it wasn't super awkward but I mean I asked her like what was it like when you quit your job knowing that you have poor health and you aren't gonna have health insurance like it was it, that's what was on my mind so I wanted to ask it and like if in the beginning like three, four months ago when I was getting started with podcasting, I wouldn't have asked that at all. But now I'm like, I like pick up on the cues that he does. And he's like, he asks what's on his mind. And sometimes it's like uncomfortable questions or so. And maybe they say they don't want to share and that's fine. Like I've definitely had that happen. I've asked questions and they're like, eh, I'd rather not talk about it. Cool. Next question. <laughs> right. Right. And maybe for the podcasters out there, maybe some of that's the stuff that you clear in advance. And I, I also think there's opportunity there for relatability. Yep. You know, if, yeah. if someone's willing and open to, to go down that road as a guest, ask the question, see where it goes. Yeah. Right? Like the Mixergy podcast. So Andrew Warner always starts out with asking what the revenue is, even if they tell him in the pre-interview that they're not going to tell him what it is. He still asks again, 
what's your revenue? And that's what he always starts out with. Um, and then if they tell him no, he'll keep asking a lot of times and like ask in different ways. It's, it, I love it. It's, if you haven't listened to him, go listen to him. <laughs> Sounds like I have something to listen to tomorrow morning on the way to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's good stuff. Well, Ryan, I, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. Um, and I would love to ask to share with the audience, how can people find you and find out more about what you're doing and follow you? Yeah, so uh, kind of the central hub is gritandhustle.co, so G-R-I-T-A-N-D-H-U-S-T-L-E.co. Um, and then you can find me on social media, either at Grit and Hustle Co. or just search Ryan Helms. You'll find me somewhere on there. Uh, and then the podcast is called Hustle to Freedom, and you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. It'll be a nice, bright green cover art with a guy running away from a, a desk with a surfboard. Uh, so yeah, check me out on there. Like I said, I interview uh, everyday people who are creating extraordinary side hustles. So if that interests you, go take a listen. Love it. Thanks so much. Have a, have a great night. Yep. Talk soon. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Lee. To learn more about LEAP, the podcast and coaching services, please join us on our LEAP Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's your LEAP.